Hi, this is Dr. Nigro again with our third installment of Psychology Unplugged. As I said before, before I get into a lot of the, many of the psychiatric disorders, I want to lay a foundation for a lot of terminology and perspectives because it'll be easier to kind of anchor back to these points. So the first thing I want to talk about is the differentiation between perception versus reality. And the best way to explain this is if you and I witness the exact same event, we are likely to have very two different cognitive and emotional reactions to the event. So reality is, in my opinion, very subjective. And what I've asked a lot of patients to do, and now during the pandemic and doing it via telehealth, it's a little different, but I used to buy these yellow tinted sunglasses and I stopped buying them because I would lose them or people would break them. But I would ask people to put on a pair of the yellow tinted sunglasses And then look at the sky, assuming it's a blue sky, and say, okay, yellow-tinted sunglasses, blue sky, what color is it? People would invariably say green. And I would say, no, it's still blue. It's how you see through the lens of what you believe, what your thoughts are, your emotions are, your behaviors are. So what I would typically do is, uh, I don't always wear my glasses, but when I do, I would explain therapy from a cognitive behavioral perspective is take your glasses off slowly because that's, that's you. That's how you view the world. And I'm going to redo the prescription And when you have that new prescription, you will see yourself, other people, and the world differently. So pay attention to perception because it's an individualistic orientation that everybody has. And it's not a shared, common, universal thing. Okay. Second thing I want to talk about are mirrors. Now, we all have mirrors in our houses. Some are expensive, some might be cheap. We don't use the mirrors for what they're designed for. We don't really even like the mirrors. We use them to shave, to groom, do our hair, brush our teeth. We like the carnival mirrors, the ones that make us look tall, the ones that make us look short. We can stand in front of those and really not have an adverse emotional or cognitive reaction to it because we're seeing a distorted version and we know that's not reality. If we actually looked at the mirrors in our own homes and spent the time and energy to truly look, we don't want to do that myself included, my wife, my my family, 
we we pass by these objects looking in the mirror and being able to say this is what i am this is what i'm not this is what i'm good at this is what i'm not good at this is what i want to be better at this is what i want to change that's one of the hardest things to do because it all defaults back to self-esteem and our belief that what we think and what we feel and what we do is right and that's part of the therapeutic process is from a cognitive behavioral perspective is to challenge that because if your thoughts and your emotions and behaviors as they're all are interconnected are causing dysfunction that's problematic all right number three crayons all right i don't remember the last time i had a box of crayons but picture your Crayola. I think they were yellow and green. If you pull out, I say pull out the yellow crayon and tell you this is the color blue. And then I say pull out the white crayon and this is the color orange. If that knowledge and teaching never goes unchecked, Imagine your first day of preschool, kindergarten, and your teacher says, pull out the white crayon. You're not going to pull out the one that is actually white. You're going to pull out the one that you were taught was white. Knowledge unchecked is dangerous. I was very fortunate and blessed to have a mother that raised myself and my two brothers question everything. Knowledge is subjective. Question everything. Okay. Fourth thing I want to address is this concept of the past is something that comes up invariably so when i'm doing a structured diagnostic clinical interview so i have this uh, like 36 page form and i tell people i have to ask questions in a very specific way i can't explain how my mind works but it does but it's through asking these questions that i'm able to kind of come up with what i think diagnostically is going on Wayne Dyer was a existential psychologist and he came up with a metaphor um, basically called the wake of the boat. Now I find this ironic that being from Chicago, I'm using a nautical metaphor, but imagine the boat as your life. When the boat goes through the water, it creates a wake and Picture the wake or conceptualize the wake as the past because once the wake has been created by the laws of physics and nature, it has no bearing on where the boat is going. And the beauty of this metaphor is we are all the captains at the helm. We are, this is what I said before, we are the architects of our lives. We can go and visit the back of the boat, 
But then we have to ask the question, who's driving the boat? To try and figure out why is many times a futile concept. If, if some transgression has been perpetrated against us by a person, by a situation, by a company, by the world, we, yes, we have questions, but people become fixated on trying to find an answer to explain it. And I've told patients over the years, here's what's going to happen. In your mind, you have created the answer that you're looking for. And if that person, organization, anybody does not deliver the answer in the right tone, with the right emotionality, the right eye contact, the right verbiage, you're not going to believe it or you're going to think the person is just telling you what you want to hear. Now, do we all have pasts? Absolutely. And the metaphor I've used a lot is the past is a collective closet. We all have them. Now, there are some people who take, and a closet is filled with boxes. And some of the boxes are pristine, they're beautiful, they're, they're gorgeous, and we love them. And others are dirty and they smell or they're sharp and prickly and we don't want to touch them. Those are the more painful ones. Now, there are some people that pull all the boxes out of their closet and surround their lives by them. And they're constantly influenced by it. There's other people who get a deadbolt lock from Lowe's or Home Depot and they shut that closet and want to make sure that they never revisit it again. There's other people who take certain boxes and they put it on their coffee table or their ottoman. And every time they walk past it, they're constantly re reminded by it. We can't escape the past, but the beauty of the past is it remains the ether of time. And the only way it will continue to impact us is if we give it power. And that is the power of the human condition, of what we are able to do and the control that we have over our lives. And again, I've said this a few times, we are the architects of our lives. We have power. Individual psychiatric conditions are things that we have. They are not things that we are. So I want to leave this message on an empowering note that you can pretty much overcome everything. You will, the more life you breathe into the things that are painful, that is the only way it will give life to it. So if you want to, I uh, appreciate all the emails and the feedback, uh, Unplugged at outlook.com. Or if you want to reach me on a more personal level, contact me uh, through Psychology Today. And always remember what I said last time, Maslow's quote, learn to become independent of the good opinions of other people. Until next time, be well. Mm -hmm.